Hello and welcome to FortiGuard Live. I'm Derek Menke and joining me once again is Amar Lakhani. Amar, you seem to always be connected with me on here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing great. Um, we work together every day and, um, you know, in, in these last past episodes, we've talked a lot about what everybody is talking about because it's friend of mine with, with ransomware. But that's, you know, the ransomware is obviously a broad subject and um, there's a lot of activities that have been happening, but I, I wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dive and open up the hood um, and look under the hood to see what's really driving this, what's fueling this. And there's a lot of different components to it. Um, you know, if I look 10 years ago, 10 years is always a, a good flashback in time. Um, obviously a ton has happened in cybersecurity and, and, and the threat landscape. You know, we really had the start of the, you know, ran, uh, modern day, let's say ransomware, malware that started about two, circa 2010. Uh, there were also a lot of these um, CAAS, a crime as a service model. So things like botnet rentals, DDoS services, um, you know, even, uh, you know, uh, malware creation, obviously the sale of things like uh, zero day exploits too on, on dark web. I think that that marketplace is still very much there, but it's expanded into a whole bunch of new, let's say, a la carte options today, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've always had people like running malware, trying to exploit people, trying to like make money. And it's kind of made the most natural progression. Like basically, if you think of the most deepest, darkest ways people can exploit each other, that's where ransomware is going. That's where, uh, you know, malware is going is trying to take criminals are trying to take advantage of uh, people. Yeah, and they're really organizing this. I mean, it really is organized crime today, and and they're they're uh, operationalizing it. They're creating models, reward programs. Um, you know, I, again, back in the day, ten years ago, these were these PPIs we called them, paper install, because it was very much an infrastructure game. Uh, how many, you know, could you could you just infect a hundred thousand machines uh, to grow your botnet? If you do, you're getting a, a percentage of that as, as a payment. But then came the PPP, the paper purchase. So, are you infecting a machine, and is the is the uh, you know the victim actually paying for a, a solution, i.e., a decryption tool or a um, you know back then it was a fake antivirus software uh, solutions. And it's interesting because they've made so much profit off of this. They're really profiteering. You know, it's gone from commission rates as low as 20 percent up to you know in the three, four years ago in the zero access days, about 45, 50%. And now we're seeing things with the latest kits or sorry, um, uh, affiliate programs for these things, paying out commissions up to about 80%, which is quite ludicrous. Yeah, so yes. just to step back, you know, what we see when you go to like some of these darknet forums, you go to some of these uh, attacker boards, you see these affiliate programs, you usually will see like a post on a forum, someone claiming that they have a certain program, a ransomware program or a service. They'll give you some information around it, like, hey, it's written in C or some language. We'll give you some of the feature sets around it. And usually when these forums start off, there's like a discussion where people are asking what features are available, is it available for testing? And once it comes out of that initial phase, what we normally see is the the program, the, the creators, the threat actors that actually create the program, they're asking for some sort of payment or service. In many cases, it's a deposit, and it's a really hefty deposit. I've seen it as high as almost $400,000 on some of the advanced stuff. 
Obviously, there's a lot of like discord kitties out there that's very, very cheap out there as well. So you can have things for 10 to 15 to 2500 dollars as well. But the more complicated stuff is very expensive. And they just don't allow you to become an affiliate. They don't say, okay, we're going to take your money and run ransomware. You have to like prove that you've worked with other criminal services, that you've had payouts. They want to actually see that. They want to see like Bitcoin addresses and see that, hey, if I'm going to take you in as a customer, if I'm going to work with you as a partner, I actually want to see that you're going to make me money as well. Yeah, very much just like crime in the physical world, right? It's the, the trusted underground networks, right? Meet, meet up at the back of the bar in this case, you know, on the dark web or other forums. And I think, I think um, it's you know what's what's happening is the what we talked about the the, the caste model, the crime as a service model. Um, all of those things that existed before have grown again. You want to rent a botnet for horsepower to use it for a DDoS attack or pay somebody to write some code for you or, or uh, you know, um, you know, rent a, a phishing a spam botnet to do phishing campaigns. All of that still exists, but what's really prolific and what everybody is really, it, it's been around for a while now. It's just risen to global fame, I would say, uh, notoriously now are these RAS models, so ransom as a service. And what I think what a lot of people are confused about is that this isn't just one ransomware campaign associated with the name like Ryuk or Trickbot or or uh, uh, Motet or you know um, Darkside. Um, that yes, there are malware families, but oftentimes you see, as you say, uh, when somebody signs up to this, they're paying, they're getting their skin in the game, but they're also getting that partnership where they're actually getting you know, uh, uh, the actual kit and component. How do you compile this? How do you make it customized for your own version, your own variant of that attack? So it's not just a monolithic campaign that's running, right? Yeah, so one of the things uh, that what the affiliates are doing when they're coming in working with a threat actor is they're providing them only some um, reconnaissance on their target uh, corporations or target organizations. And they're bringing in really specific information, like exactly, you know, what type of, uh, security vendors and organization may be using uh, email addresses, people to target, um, subjects that may uh, may work in phishing emails. So they're bringing in a lot of information that affiliates are. And you're right, they're, they're absolutely, you know, it may be the same base code a lot of times. It may be the same base package of an attack, but it is being customized to bypass specific defenses for a very specific organization. And I think that's that's the difference. We're not seeing those widespread spray campaigns anymore where yeah. we're targeting everyone. We're targeting very specific organizations that have a lot of value on them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely, especially uh, that in the last two years, it's been a major shift. Um, certainly in the last year, uh, in 2020 was a banner year, but the last two years running has been a, a major shift and obviously is continuing at a, a furious pace. And it, let's talk about the, the, the money. I mean, it's, it, it's no secret cybercrime is, is a lucrative industry. If you look at these affiliate programs, so th these are the actual cash cows, right, that are paying out those, those commission when they have a trusted affiliate or partner on board. Uh, they're massive, right? I mean, like, if we look back to NetWalker in Q1 earlier this year, uh, there is an indictment against uh, one of the uh, one affiliates of that program. Um, and in the indictment charge, you know, I, it was alleged that they had made um, just under $28 million US, one affiliate, pure commission rates. Uh, if you look at the big programs like Darkside as an example, it's about the $100 million plus mark and counting for, for the actual payouts to affiliates uh, tracked through crypto platforms. Um, some of the larger ones, uh, as we know, these large ransomware gangs can run in the billions of dollars. So the, the profits are, are just huge, but it's because of what you just said, right? They're going after the, the big fish, 
Um, and the, you know, some of these ransom attacks can be in the tune of, in terms of damages, you know, 40, $50 million plus we've seen that. Yeah, I do believe, I do personally start thinking because of the kind of the explosion against, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, it taking up in value. Obviously, it's always volatile and it's been volatile, like even extremely so for the last week or so. It's kind of funny. You can listen to this video probably anytime and that statement is always going to be true on how volatile cryptocurrency is. But uh, at the same time, I do believe the explosion and kind of the mainstream adoption of cryptocurrency is becoming a motivator for uh, you know, these uh, threat actors to go after and actually get more aggressive with their ransomware and even more bolder in, you know, some of their ransom prices and their claims and, uh, you know, just how they operate. I do always think, you know, are we at that point where we where we need to have some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of policing or some sort of legislative action against uh, paying ransoms or, you know, paying some of this stuff. But, uh, you know, yeah. that, that is definitely a whole can of worms. And I know we've had some passionate discussions around that. And, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. And, and we're very active in the industry. So, uh, you know, we're working with the Cyber Threat Alliance, with the World Economic Forum, Ransomware Task Force, a lot of great minds in the industry getting together to actually see how we can tackle that problem because it's it's a behemoth. It's huge, right? Um, and there's a lot of challenges and complexities underneath that. Um, so let's talk dark side. This has obviously uh, um, been, been a uh, front and center um, recently. And going back to everything we just talked about, we have to be clear that Darkside is not just one operation. Again, this is the, uh, the, the, the the ransomware malware family, and there's different variations of these attacks, right? There's different targets, different people running it, again, at the affiliate level. And, um, you know, uh, it's very interesting because we, we just released, um, you know, research, unique research from FortiGuard Labs talking about one of those variants, right? So it's not just uh, the... Uh, entire campaign running, but it goes to show you how much customers, you were just talking about that customization, how much that can be done, right? Because in our research, we saw some very interesting things. We saw in this variant capabilities to look for unmounted uh, shares of networks, as an example. It's clever enough to identify those to actually uh, be able to remount them and infect those uh, because it was just a simple security measure that some you know uh, organizations were taking to combat ransomware, right? And essentially try to quarantine their network shares so that data couldn't be ransomed on those shares. Yeah, so just to make it clear, uh, you know, we do believe this is the, the dark side ransomware. We don't believe this is related to the colonial pipeline yeah. attack. But at the same time, as more information comes around what dark side did, we have more kind of uh, data points that we can look at and kind of associate to a particular threat actor. And as you said, one of the most common ways that you combat ransomware is through backups, through uh, offline systems. And there's a lot of ways to do that. That's actually much more difficult to do in a very large organizations than it sounds like. So there's techniques such as doing unmounting drives and having offline drives. And this particular ransomware looked for that. It's actually a very simple technique, but it's kind of genius if you yeah. think about it is yeah. because you're really going after, um, you, you know, your, your headquarters, like what you hold here and like, you know, your, your, your most prized possessions when you feel like you've done everything you have need to do to protect that. Yeah, and uh, this was another great example of partnership. This research actually stemmed from our um, the Cyber Threat Alliance and the FBI Flash Alert. So it was a, a great collaborative action of when 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 this was breaking, how can we get the facts? How can we apply our own threat intelligence to that and uh, get it out the door? Um, so it was a great you know end to end uh, result here. But it's just one piece 
of the puzzle. It, it, it is really a, a drop in the bucket when we talk about the global pandemic, that's cybercrime. Uh, even Darkseid itself is a relatively small malware family compared to some of these other, you know, like Rayuk or Emotet, these, these big operations that we've seen growing in the past. You've been tracking it though, right, Omar, since um, last year. Yeah, you know, uh, first of all, I remember me and you having a discussion. I came across Darkseid on a hacker forum, and I was pretty impressed uh, right away because they definitely had their act together. They knew exactly what they wanted. And what I mean by that is they were looking for very specific people in their affiliate program, people with experience. They were actually doing some sort of vetting and background check, um, just looking at their code when, when you actually downloaded some of the code and looked at it. It was actually very like tightly written. Uh, most malware, most ransomware is actually not that exciting for a researcher to analyze, especially like in a debugger debugger, or when you're doing reverse engineering. It's kind of works the same. Uh, they were actually using some extra techniques, like some checks to see like, you know, what version of Windows you were using, what subversion you were using, what other programs you had. Uh, as you, you know, we mentioned whether drives were mounted or not mounted, how was it connected on the network. Uh, they were doing a lot of, a lot of things that were more and more complicated to do, which definitely makes us think that the people behind that are, you know, definitely have some skills as programmers and their, their code was pretty tight. There wasn't a lot of, a lot of fluff in their code. Yeah. Yeah. So it just goes to show, you know, this is always a, in our world, a good news, bad news situation. You know, the bad news is obviously what's happening in terms of all the profiteering and, and the proliferation of cybercrime. Um, but the good news is that there's a big spotlight being shone on this now. Um, as you can see from our research, from exposing the tactics, uh, you know, and, and these affiliate programs as well. And so this is, these are the building blocks we need to do to truly disrupt cybercrime. We're going to continue to work on that with our relationships, as well as our threat intelligence and, you know, going down to the customer for, for protection through our security fabric too. That's always the end game, make it more expensive for, for cyber criminals to operate. And I know, Omar, you're, you're on that front line every day. So thanks for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you did mention a good point is that, uh, you know, there is much more of a spotlight on, uh, you know, some of these threat actors. And I do feel like uh, these threat actors are kind, kind of going to go out, you know, go under the radar a little bit because their their goal normally isn't to attract that much attention as they have been in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think their goal is to, like, really be under the radar and get paid as fast as possible. It actually makes me think some of the more visible headlines that we are seeing, and I'm not just talking about the pipeline, I'm talking about some of the other things that we are seeing. It makes me think if it was a mistake or was it, like, something that an affiliate wasn't prepared for. I don't know. I'm just yeah. kind of guessing there. But I do think we're going to, regardless, I do think we're going to see a continuance of ransomware. But I do feel like we're going to have to be a little more careful and diligent about finding it because I feel like these threat actors are going to go under the radar and not make such a splash and try and get their money even faster and uh, just uh, try and stay away from some of the media and some of the flash that's out there. Yeah, and it creates a huge ripple effect because now you're going to have you know, a, 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 a spotlight being shone on dark side as an example, and you're going to have affiliates saying there's too much heat on this. I'm going to go to it. I'm going to try to pop to another um, an, another partner, another network, another affiliate program. And I think there's, gonna, there's a lot of shifting in that dog-eat-dog world that's, um, uh, you know, the dark web and cybercrime. Exactly. The criminals don't go away. They just, like, move around and shift around. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Amaro, always fascinating conversations. Thanks so much again for your insight. Uh, this is Derek Menke with 40 Guard Live.